Good morning, and peace be with you. I want to direct your attention to the bulletin and the inserts there uh, that uh, we have. We have an a anniversary uh, card here, so you can mark the date. So please take a look at that. I'll let you read the announcements yourself. Uh, although I will point out that uh, Mission Sunday this month, uh, our donations are going to the Family Promise that helps families in our community here in Orange County who are experiencing homelessness and are in need of shelter and stabilization. So um, please just at your leisure check this out. Uh, after church today, we have... Uh, fellowship, and I, uh, one of the services that I provide is to sample the food that uh, comes in. You could say, how much sampling are you doing? Um, but there is a wonderful lady, uh, her name is Anna, and she uh, made empanadas. Now, I'd heard of empanadas before, but I never met an empanada. And I got to say that I like empanadas, and you will too. So uh, stay afterwards and enjoy some fellowship and some coffee. The other thing, Anna uh, graces us uh, and has graced other churches with her cooking, which is phenomenal. And um, she and her husband have been very blessed. Now, they're very private people, so I can't go into the specifics, but her husband had a very significant medical challenge. And it's a miracle because God is reversing some of the things that were going on and he is healing. And uh, so I wanted to let you know that, but also to have you lift up Anna and Berlin up in your prayers for continued mercy, continued healing, and in thankfulness for these uh, beautiful empanadas. Um, where it, there she is. We have a, not a, a new person here, but it's new to us. We haven't seen in a long time. So uh, Jane is back. And so, yay. So when you go and you give her a squeeze, don't squeeze too hard because she's still uh, got the, the brace on. And um, also just to uh, ask you to lift up Susan and Jerry in your prayers. Jerry had a pacemaker put in. And he's doing real well, and, but just uh, lift uh, them up, the family up in prayers. Okay? I think that's uh, all that is, uh, need to be said. Uh, apparently, they decided to work on the 405 this morning, and I discovered that. And it is closed, or it was when I came up this morning. Is it still closed? Yep. So <laughs> it, right down at, at uh, Brookhurst, right? Or, uh, Brookhurst? Magnolia and Warner. So... Our exit is turned off. So anyway, let us start our uh, worship service as unto the Lord.
stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins, and as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. 
Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 17, verses 22 through 24. And this can be found on page 1308 in the Pew Bible. In this passage, Ezekiel is predicting the Messiah, and the imagery is as a sprig of a cedar. Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I'll break off a tender sprig from the topmost shoots and planted on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it and they will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. We will read Psalm 1 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin on page 6. Uh, in this psalm, the anonymous writer of this psalm writes that uh, we are judged only by our faith in God. Psalm 1. 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. That person's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in seasons, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The next reading is from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. This can be found on page 1798 in the Pew Bible. In this passage, Paul contrasts our earthly bodies to our heavenly bodies. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 17. For we know that if the, if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us a spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body that we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. We are out of our mind, as in some way, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel from Mark is found on page 1558 in your Pew Bible. Mark 4, verses 26 through 34. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and it grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stock, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds on the earth, yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables Jesus spoke, he spoke the word to them, and as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you uh, pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. During the last uh, few weeks going back, we uh, covered lots of topics, and you may remember a couple of weeks back, we celebrated the Feast of the Holy Trinity. And the Trinity is one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith. However, it's not the only mystery contained within the Christian faith. For example... A mystery that exists in addition to the Holy Trinity is how? How does the Son of God assume a human nature into himself? We know that Jesus is not half God and half man, but he is fully God and man. 
And through this humanity, we know that God is able to experience death, even death on a cross. And through this divinity, the human son is able to give us his blood and body in the sacrament. And he can do that, and we can receive that no matter where we are. Well, how does that work? How, how does that work? We don't know. We really don't know. But I suspect this, that even if God told us how it worked, we still wouldn't understand. It's a mystery. Now let's consider some mysteries of the Holy Spirit. For example, how does the Holy Spirit take a rebellious, sinful human being and work faith in the heart? How does he do that? You know, people balk or, you know, I don't know, Pastor, when I talk about the babies can have faith. But the truth is, in fact, faith in Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ at any age is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Now, given that an adult has had many, many years to harden their heart, to build up a defense against the Holy Spirit. But we know of miracles, of conversion, when an adult who has denied Christ, denied the Holy Spirit for years and years and years, we know of people that have accepted him, that have come to the Lord, that the Spirit did work on them. That's a miracle even more of a miracle than it would be in a tiny baby. Mysteries abound in the Christian faith. God has given his word to the apostles and the prophets, and in his word, he has revealed the mysteries that are beyond our understanding. The truth is, we may not understand them. We may not even like some of them, but we believe them because God has given them to us in his word. Now, the parables in today's gospel reveal two mysteries to us, two mysteries. The first mystery is in the parable that teaches us about the mystery of faith. The second parable teaches us of the mystery of Christ's body and the holy Christian church. So, if you're taking notes... See if I actually address the two mysteries. It's only two, but you know me, so hold me accountable. The first parable is about a seed that is growing in a field. And modern science biologists now know much about how plants grow. And how and why they mature from seeds. But back in the day of Jesus, when he told these parables, these things were mysteries. They really were. For what they knew is that you threw a seed out onto the ground, and after a while, it sprouted and grew and matured. 
How? Well, no one knew. And these things happened automatically without the help of a farmer. Of course, the farmer went about his regular business, and the plants just grew. So even today, when we know so much more about how and why plants grow, the farmer's job has not changed that much. We, we have more equipment now so that we can do more in less time, but the basics are still the same. The farmer plants the seed, and then he does what he can to provide a healthy environment. And he does that with fertilizers and irrigation and pesticides, perhaps. But in the end, there really isn't a whole lot the farmer can do to force the seeds to germinate, to grow, or to mature. You know, the farmer can provide a healthy environment for the seed to grow, but the growth, the growth itself comes from inside the seed just as it always has been. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And here Jesus wants us to compare the seed to the word of God. The man who scatters the seed is anyone who shares the word of God with others. Anyone. And when you confess your faith to other people, you are that man. Every time I tell someone that I am a miserable sinner who deserves punishment, and then tell them how Jesus died on the cross so that I receive the joy of heaven instead of that punishment, I am that man. We need to note that the farmer is not responsible for making the seed sprout or to mature. And in the same way, we are not responsible for producing faith in the heart of another person. That is the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit. Too often, well-meaning teachers have told us in the past that we must not only share our faith with others, but that we are somehow responsible for bringing those others to faith. That we are somehow responsible for the growth of their faith. We're not. And those well-meaning teachers make us feel as though confessing our faith before others is like making a sales call. If nothing happens, then we've failed to close the deal. These teachers are well-intentioned, but they can make us feel really guilty. Now, today's parable tells us that this is a false guilt, that the kingdom of God just doesn't work that way. 
It tells us that the growth of faith in the soil of the heart is a mystery. And that means it is something that God does. And it's not up to us. This parable teaches us that if no faith grows, it's not our fault. And just as I cannot cause a seed to germinate by giving it a pep talk, I cannot force faith to grow with anything that I do. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that does that. And those of you that have been with me in Bible studies know that I pray that the Holy Spirit would come, open our eyes, open our ears and our hearts. That's why I do it. So this comfort, this comfort comes from the parable. From this parable, we learn that the pressure of converting someone to the faith in Christ that pressure just doesn't belong to us. And God has reserved that responsibility for himself. And as the farmer scatters the seed out on the ground, God has given us the privilege of proclaiming the joy of our salvation. And on the other hand, God alone is responsible for producing a crop of faith from that proclamation. So what, what is the joy of our salvation that I mentioned? What proclamation do we throw out to the world? What is it? Well, it's found in what Jesus says and explains. He says that the proclamation in the parable of the mustard seed. He tells us what it means. Jesus often compared himself to plants. In a gospel from a few weeks ago, Jesus described himself as a vine. He said in John 15, verse 5 through 9, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in uh, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. From, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And then at another time, Jesus said this in John 12, 23 and 24. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So here Jesus spoke of his suffering and he spoke of his death and how he would die. And like a seed, he would grow to bear much fruit. In today's gospel, Jesus once again tells us that he must be buried, planted like a mustard seed. And this burial reminds us of the suffering and the death that he endured to take away all of our sins. Jesus said, a grain of a mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds on earth. And then, although he is God, who is vast, Jesus became small 
by assuming a human nature. He became small enough to live in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He became small enough to live under the authority of the law and to keep it perfectly. He became small enough to die a shameful death and be buried in a borrowed tomb. And like that grain of mustard seed, he rested in the ground. And Jesus continued with the parable with these words, Yet, when the mustard seed is sown and it grows up, it becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. Jesus did not remain in the grave. Instead, as a mustard plant emerges from the ground, he emerged from death. And just as a mustard plant becomes one of the largest plants in the garden, so also Jesus becomes ever larger, large enough to be known all around and throughout the world. And as a mustard plant fills a garden and is large enough to harbor birds, so also Christ's body, the church, grows to fill the earth. We are part of that mustard seed that is the holy Christian church. The Holy Spirit in Paul in, inspired Paul to write in Romans 6, 3 and 5, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we certainly shall be united with him in a resurrection like his. And through baptism, the Holy Spirit joins us to Christ's death. And we become part of his body. We become the church. And the wonderful part about belonging to the Holy Christian Church is that no matter how often we sin, no matter how often we mess up, God has forgiven us for Jesus' sake through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith. We can come together as a body of Christ and continuously receive the forgiveness of sins. And even though your pastor, even though your pastor is probably a worse sinner than you are, his words of forgiveness are valid. The words of forgiveness that come from his mouth are not his words, but they are Christ's words. And when that sinner whom God has called to be your pastor forgives your sins, it is not he who forgives. It is Christ himself who forgives your sins. 
And I thank God. I thank God that the words I speak are for me as well as they are for you. And as part of Christ's church, we not only receive God's forgiveness through the mouth of the pastor, but also through our own mouths as Jesus Christ gives his body and blood in union with the bread and the wine of the sacrament. Jesus himself said this, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. What a gift. What a gift this is that we receive as members of the Holy Christian Church. In conclusion, as we gather together in Christ's church, we come together to meet Jesus and to receive the gifts that he earned for us on that cross. Forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of life, and the gift of salvation. And we also receive the comfort of knowing that just as he rose from the dead, we too shall rise from the dead and inherit eternal life. It is good to be part of God's mustard plant. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Please stand if you're able. Let us confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we gather this morning to give you thanks and praise your holy name. Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful for all that you have made and all the blessings you have bestowed upon us in the United States of America. Here in Southern California, we're very thankful for the beautiful Pacific Ocean and surrounding mountains and wildlife that distract us from worldly troubles that seem to surround us daily. 
We also know that you created us with free will to make our own decisions and that we have often failed to make decisions that glorify your name and honor your son Jesus, who paid the ultimate price for our sins in order to shield us from your eternal wrath and to guarantee us a home with you. Holy Father, we're in serious trouble in our daily lives. You already know this from the list of prayers in our bulletin to the prayers held deep in our hearts. You know it all. We know that you are in control and you work all things for our good because you love us. And we love you and believe in the saving grace of your Son. Even so, through your Holy Spirit who lives within us, you know the darkness enveloping us. It is so hard to remember and trust that you will remain with us in the midst of such evil and hate that is prevalent in our society. We are faithful Christians, Lord, and yet we struggle with medical crises, sickness, uncontrolled violence all around us, even between our children, and rumors of war between all nations. It seems everyone wants to find reasons to hate each other and cause harm. God Almighty, we need your help. It is very dark here. Please shine your light into our lives and strengthen our hope. Holy Father, we give you thanks for inspiring the men and women serving the citizens of our country in the military, law enforcement, firefighting, or other emergency services. Please protect them all from harm. We also pray for the leaders of those serving our country. Please provide them with wisdom and strength of character where it is lacking and turn them away from the sins inherent in society's misguided sense of political correctness. We thank you, Lord, for inspiring our scientists to find ways to cure diseases and disabilities and make our lives better and the world a better place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for performing miracles every day and opening our eyes to those miracles. Holy Father, we pray for the safety of the millions of people that have been encouraged to risk everything, including their lives and children's lives, to leave their own countries for the United States southern border. Their safety and the safety of the citizens of our country have been placed at great risk because of self-serving ignorance. Please protect the innocent and grant wisdom where it is lacking to leaders in order to protect our nation and those who flee oppression. We pray for those who are lonely, distraught, fearful, in despair, or frustrated and angry. Holy Spirit, guide us to avoid responding to anger with anger or hate with hate. Let us be the best Christian emissaries through our actions that glorify you. Thank you, Holy Father, for our small congregation of faithful Christians and the pastor you've provided us. Please continue to guide us in our faith and support one another as we all face life's difficulties. Thank you for our sister congregation in Victory Outreach. Guide us to support each other in our mission to spread your gospel among all within our reach. Above all, Holy Father, in spite of all the turmoil we face in life on earth, we thank you for saving our souls through your sacrifice of your only Son, Jesus, in whose name we are praying. 
Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Let us share the peace responsibly at a distance. (laughs) Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places, offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn, Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. But we believe it because we find it in his word. We find it in his promises. And which promises does he keep? This rescues you from sin, death, and the devil. This rescues you from sin, death, and the devil. Because he did everything for you on that cross. I've heard you confess him as your Lord and Savior. So this meal really is for you. Come and receive. You may be seated and the ushers will bring you forward.
oftentimes we complicate our faith and our walk. It isn't meant to be that way. Sometimes teachers with the best intentions complicate that, as I mentioned in the sermon. Faith is a gift by the Holy Spirit, which is a mystery, a mysterious part of the triune God. But faith is a gift, and all we have to do is just to speak of Christ. If we proclaim, we would proclaim Christ and him crucified. We don't add anything to it. And then we let God do the work. That's how we cast out seed like the farmer. I hope this relieves you of, if you're feeling any, guilt. It isn't righteous guilt. It isn't yours to hold on to. I've talked to parents and grandparents that have remorse that their children aren't walking with the Lord or their, their great-grandchildren, grandchildren aren't walking with the Lord. But that seed was cast faithfully. And I pray that you find rest knowing that it's God's job and he promised not to let anyone slip through his hands. Rest in that promise. Lift those who you love up in prayer. That's the way to do it. And now the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness. Oh uh-huh.